Mr. Horn, I realize that your position in this fair community pretty well guarantees venality and sincerity and a rather irritating method of expressing yourself. Stupidity, however, is not a necessarily inherent trait. Therefore, please listen closely. You can have a funeral any old time. You dig a hole, you plant a coffin. I, however, cannot perform these tests next year, next month, next week, or tomorrow. I must perform them now. I've got a lot of cutting and pasting to do, gentlemen, so please, why don't you return to your porch rockers and resume whittling? That does it. I'm taking charge of the body, and you don't touch Laura from this moment on. To hell do you... Gentlemen! Gentlemen! What's going on? Thank God. Cooper, this old fool is obstructing a criminal investigation. Cuff him. He won't release Laura's body for the funeral. He's not human. What's the holdup? Please, Cooper. I do not suffer fools gladly and fools with badges never. I want no interference from this hulking boob. Is that clear? I've had just about enough of your insults. Oh, yeah? Well, I've had about enough of uh, morons and halfwits, dolts, dunces, dullards, and dumbbells. And you, chowderhead yokel, you blithering hayseed, you, you, you've had enough of me? No, Miguel Ferrar, uh, we have not had enough of you, and I am so saddened uh, that that today we had to say goodbye to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Stephen King cast, One Man's Musings on the Works of Stephen King. Each week I'll review one entry in the bibliography of Stephen King in the chronological order of publication. And what I'm doing in this particular episode, as you might have guessed, uh, today on January 19th, 2017, uh, we we said goodbye to uh, famed and, and beloved character actor Miguel Ferrar, who, as I just uh, played uh, in, in in this clip, was uh, made famous. I knew he was famous beforehand, but he was beloved for for many of us for for playing Special Agent Albert Rosenfield in David Lynch's and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks. So, um, because Miguel Ferrar has a um, as a history of playing Stephen King characters, uh, he, he famously played uh, Lloyd Henry in the uh, ABC TV miniseries the, the Stand, and he played Richard Dees in, in 1997's The Night Flyer. I wanted to re-release uh, the episode that I had recorded of The Night Flyer back in what I want to say 2015. So after I'm done with this, this tribute for Miguel Ferrar, it will just segue right back into that, that original episode. But I, I thought that it was, it was fitting on this day to at least do something for, uh, for one of our Stephen King actors and someone that, uh, is, is near and dear to my heart. Guys, for those of you who've been listening for a while, you know that Twin Peaks meant a lot to me. I have lately all of my tweets and my Facebook posts, um, I've been less about Stephen King. They've been all about Twin Peaks. We have uh, Twin Peaks Season 3 on the horizon, May 21st. Mark it on your calendars. Uh, it is a date that I am going to look forward to uh, with as much fervor as Christmas and my birthday and my honeymoon all wrapped up into one. Uh, th this one's going to be special to me because I don't know how you want to look at it. I mean, I, either my parents were... Had terrible parenting skills or the best parenting skills because I was an OG Twin Peaks fan from back in the day when it was first on, first airing, and that meant that I was in fourth grade. So when I was in fourth grade, I was watching Twin Peaks, which probably isn't very appropriate, but um, it uh, it was just it's just been baked 
it's been baked into my my DNA and my being. And uh, Special Agent Dale Cooper is is very much an idol and a hero to me. And uh, Miguel Ferrar's uh, Special Agent Albert Rosenfield is 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 right there. He is a beloved and legendary television character in my book and my estimation. And there wasn't a a scene that he was in that he didn't steal. And that just kind of goes with. Uh, for for Miguel Ferrar in general, I mean the guy, whatever he was in, he stole the show. I mean, as as memorable as as RoboCop is, uh, of the satire, of the effects, of the action, of the violence, I, he was he Miguel Ferrar as Bob. Um, I can't remember his last name, but he uh, shared scenes with some serious heavy hitters in terms of acting, but. It's hard to watch that movie and not give him the MVP because he was just so good. And uh, between that and I, I've gone on record, you know, saying that his death scene in Deep Star Six just uh, always gave him the chills. And guys, I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss uh, I'm gonna miss Miguel Ferrar uh, because he was just a joy to watch and whatever and whatever he uh, he popped up in. And I just. I am I'm looking forward to Twin Peaks returning for a number of reasons, but it'll be a good opportunity for, for us to be able to say goodbye to characters and to actors that meant a lot to us, whether it be the Log Lady or Special Agent Albert Rosenfield, who in this universe, the FBI function as a as a just a whimsical band of, of superheroes. They're like the X-Men. So if if uh, Gordon Cole is is uh, Professor X and Dale Cooper is our Cyclops, then Albert was always uh, our Wolverine. Surly and cantankerous, but with a heart of gold. So we're going to miss you, Special Agent uh, Rosenfield, and we are going to miss you very, very much, Miguel Ferrar. Uh, may you rest easy um, wherever you are now that you have entered the clearing at the end of the path. So before we, we launch into the, the review of the Night Flyer, I will leave us with a, a synopsis and summary of, of the thesis of who Albert Rosenfield was um, in, a, in a speech that he gives to uh, Sheriff Harry Truman. And so for Twin Peaks fans, I think that you know what to expect, what's coming. But for those of you who haven't listened to or watched Twin Peaks, rather, uh, I, I, I think that you will agree with me that this really is a... A, a, a wonderfully acted, but just a beautiful sequence of words and uh, an incredible message, especially one resonant uh, in, in 2016. So, um, everyone, uh, let's just uh, let's spend some time together and remembering this, this beloved and treasured character actor, Miguel Ferrar. Rest in peace, sir. You listen to me. While I will admit to a certain cynicism, the fact is that I'm a naysayer and hatchet man in the fight against violence. I pride myself in taking a punch and I'll gladly take another because I choose to live my life in the company of Gandhi and King. My concerns are global. I reject absolutely revenge, aggression, and retaliation. The foundation of such a method is love. I love you, Sheriff Truman. Albert's path is a strange and difficult one.
Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King Cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Each week I'll review one entry in the bibliography of Stephen King in the chronological order of publication. This week I'm turning my attention from the books to look at a little-known 1997 film based on a short story from King's collection Nightmares and Dreamscapes in which a sleazy tabloid reporter hunts down a story that just might kill him. The Miguel Ferrer starring, soaring, creepy examination of vampirism, both journalistic and blood-sucking, the low-budget feature, The Night Flyer. I have no remembrance of first watching The Night Flyer, none at all. I have vague memories of watching my parents' house, but had I rented it from the local video store or Blockbuster? Was it on television? I don't remember. I do remember enjoying it. I wasn't blown away by it, which is fine, because it doesn't have the biggest budget, a director known for much else or production quality, but King's basic concept is solid enough that makes me want to see how it played out on the screen. And before I sat down to rewatch the film, I remember it playing out on the screen successfully. Maybe it was my bias for Miguel Ferrar, who was one of the great ensemble um, cast members of the 1980s classic Robocop who had the best death from Deep Six Nine. He was Lloyd Henry himself from The Stand, and he was the scene-stealing special agent Albert Rosenfeld from David Lynch's Twin Peaks. I was fully into a vehicle that captured his smarmy charm. Plus, I love the connection of the character of Richard Dees functioning as his own hero in the pages of the Night Flyer, knowing that he had been a sleazy cameo in The Dead Zone. Or maybe that I remember it having an X-Files feel to it. Remember that it came out in 1997, with The X-Files already having a number of seasons under its belt, and the idea of Miguel Ferrar playing a dark version of Fox Mulder was too much for me to pass up on. So what I'm trying to say is, is that I had good memories of this movie, vague though they might be, so I was a little worried that rewatching it would taint whatever goodwill I had towards it. Does it hold up on rewatch? Let's find out. But before I begin, let me read the Wikipedia summary so I have a basis upon which I can build my analysis. The story follows a reporter named Richard Dees as he follows, attempting to catch up with a murderer who kills his victims in a vampiristic style. The killer flies off to each murder scene in a black Skymaster airplane. At one point, Dees does catch up with the plane and find dirt inside and the interior covered in blood, heightening the suspense of the film. The plot culminates in Dee's confrontation with the Night Flyer and his own loss of sanity. Dee's secondary conflict involves a young female reporter who joins the staff at the exploitative magazine Inside View, where Dee's ranks as a senior reporter. At first, he dismisses her as naive and at best a Jimmy, as in Jimmy Olsen, and actively abuses her. She ultimately survives him and writes about Dee's death her article prominently featured on the title page of the magazine Inside View. So now, analysis. Before we get anything else in this movie, we get squeaks and squeals and static. Lonely piano music fills the dark screen and a dispatcher calls unsuccessfully to a plane for a plan to land on the runway. And already, I'm digging this movie. It's proven so far that you don't need too much of a budget to tell a good story. The director gives a great tonal shot of the dispatcher heading towards the darkened plane while the tower light flashes behind. He approaches the plane, discovers that it's filled with blood, and is immediately attacked by the night flyer himself, whose silhouette with a wide collar and cape suggests a jet-setting Dracula. 
A nice touch they include is the bloody shoes. Another nice touch is the effects. Look, I'm not saying that Stan Winston and Rick Baker worked on this movie, but the gashes in the man's face when he becomes under attack from the Night Flyer himself looks painful. Yeah, sure, the blood that pours from him looks like Kool-Aid, but the gashes themselves are effective. Not as effective, however, as Miguel Ferrar. Just watch how he performs during this movie. He knows exactly what movies he's in, and knows exactly who Richard Dees is, and I applaud both the movie and the actor who have the balls enough to introduce this character with the following line. Where's my picture? Where's my goddamn dead baby? I told you before, Libby, don't F with my stuff. Now keep in mind that he's a tabloid journalist and he's speaking about the fact that the picture wasn't included in the newspaper, but it's still such an over-the-top introduction to the character that you can't help but admire it. He is just awful. We get a rundown on what this movie is all about with a new hire, Catherine, played by Phoebe Cates lookalike Julie Entwistle, who has a discussion with the editor about what their paper, Inside View, is all about. In a conversation with his editor, Dees is threatened to take the Night Flyer assignment. And I guess if you're not enjoying this movie so far, then you just might not like it at all. And a part of me can't blame you for that. Dees is hilariously overly aggressive. I mean, there's no reason for him to be as angry as he is, but he is, and I love it. While stewing in his anger in a bar, he re-encounters Catherine Blair, the new hire, who he endearingly calls Jimmy, as in Jimmy Olsen. She's a new inclusion into the narrative that hadn't been there in a short story, and it makes sense. In a short story, we're there with D's, so we don't need him to bounce off anyone, but we don't have the luxury in the movie. And it's great to see the bitter, hardened vet paired up with the idealistic rookie. In the scene, Dees gives Jimmy exactly what she asks for, the inside view of inside view, and presents the awful scene in which her predecessor, Dottie, after having a year of awful news stories under her belt, commits suicide, which Dees discovers and uses for a story. It's necessary for the success of this movie to capture how horrible Dees is, and Miguel Ferrar is up to the challenge. We then cut again to a small airport where an elderly woman is staring longingly at the Night Flyer's plane. Again, there's not much of a budget, but it's still incredibly unsettling. The dreamy flap of the cape in the window. How she watches her husband get murdered and willingly enters the trailer while under the Night Flyer's spell. Then Dees gets on the case and is treated to a flashback to one of the Flyer's victims, who mentions Derry, by the way, which was a nice little and unexpected shout-out. Dees goes to the cemetery to snap a picture, but he realizes that a simple picture of the victim's tombstone isn't enough, so he cuts his hand and smears a bloody palm print onto its surface. For whatever reason, this is pretty cheesy, this creates a telepathic link to the Night Flyer. You know, it's too bad because this is the first thing in the movie that made me groan. Dees wakes up from a nightmare where he finds the words, Stay away, scrawled on the windows. We aren't sure who wrote it, possibly the graveyard worker who caught Dees desecrating the tomb the night before, or the Night Flyer himself. If it is the Night Flyer, why warn Dees and not just kill him? And Dees had a telepathic connection to the Flyer which revealed him in mid-flight. So it doesn't look like it could be the Night Flyer who turned the plane around, landed it, drove to Dees' motel room, wrote the warning, then left even though he could have just as easily killed him. But then, later, while in a bar, the Night Flyer buys Dee's a Bloody Mary with a warning note for him to stop now, so yeah, it's supposed to be him. Dee's then heads over to the morgue where he examines the dead body, uh, which is revealed with two giant holes on either side of the neck, a great twist on the classic vampire puncture wounds. 
While driving around, Dee spots a massive car crash in which everyone involved is completely 100% dead, and we get another glimpse into the predatory, parasitic nature of his character as he starts taking snapshots of the victims, even though they have nothing to do with his current assignment. He's then back in the air, speaking into his tape recorder. It's the second scene we've witnessed, and both scenes feature feature quick hard shots to Dee's black and white photographs. This is a really good effect. It really adds an extra weight to Dee's monologuing. Without the visual interruption, it would be very easy to tune out. Dee's continues his investigation, heads out to the trailer of the elderly couple that had been murdered by the night flyer, and is stalked by a dog on the roof. It's improbable at first. I mean, how would a dog get on the roof? Regardless, the dog is um, snarling and looks rabid. Very dangerous. Dee snaps a picture and the dog runs down bales of hay and chases him to his car. He looks back and spots the dog on the roof, having never moved at all. And the dog looks like the night flyer wearing a collar and cape. And when he looks back again, the dog isn't there as if it was never there. Which I just, I really, really enjoyed that, that kind of... I'm not a huge fan of the night flyer stalking Dee's and warning him to get away, but I kind of like... I like what the Night Flyer does. I don't like it in terms of the greater context of the movie, but I do like it scene by scene. We then get the one-two punch that makes me love this movie. One, Deez's editor realizes that both Jimmy and Deez are in the same motel, then basically looks at the camera, says, I love this job, and begins to laugh maniacally like a mad genius. For zero reason whatsoever. Just because the director must have thought that it was cool... And then it cuts to Dee's in a bar where the bartender asks, rough day? To which Dee's answers, rough life. It's so hard-boiled, it's great. We are then treated to a phone call montage in which Jimmy and Dee's uh, try and track down the night flyer before he locks her in the closet so he can have the assignment all to himself. It's the flimsiest closet, too. There is nothing stopping her from demolishing it to smithereens, but we're supposed to believe that she's trapped in there for good. Dee's tracks down the night flyer, and the two have a very quick verbal sparring match on the radio, with the night flyer warning him to stay away, and Dee's pressing on anyway, even though he hears the screams of who knows how many people screaming in agony. He checks out Renfield's plane to discover that inside is coated in blood, and discovers an old-timey photo book that reveals an adventurous young pilot. And when he enters the airport, it's drenched in blood with corpses strewn about. While in the bathroom, Dee's witnesses the reflectionless night flyer urinate, and when he walks down the row of mirrors, smashing them as he goes before threatening Dee's. We get a glimpse of the night flyer's hand as it destroys Dee's film. Film! Remember film, guys? Nowadays, he would just smash the camera. The night flyer, by the way, is comedically cheesy. It's wonderful how he speaks to Dee's, and Dee's runs after him and demands to see his face. Dutch tilt commence. Lightning flashes and that disembodied night flyer voice pipes in from everywhere. And in no way does this voice match the face. The night flyer then pulls a barlow and turns Dee's into his father Callahan by forcing him to drink from his wrist. We then get a hellish black and white airport with a bloody Dee's and things moving through the fog that billows from the ground. Dees is forced to endure the undead specters of his subjects whose pictures he had snapped as they came for him. Because this constitutes an emergency, he breaks the glass and grabs the axe and begins hacking away at the ghostly undead. I'm sure this is a shining reference as one of the ghouls states that Richard has been here before and he'll be there again. 
He's interrupted from his nightmare by the police, who discover him drenched in blood, clutching an axe and chopping away at the bodies. He runs after Jimmy, who is protected by the police and who put Dee's out of his misery. She watches the night flyer get into his plane and head off into the night. And poetically, Dee's body is captured in a photograph to be used as the front page of the next Inside View edition with the story to be covered by Jimmy herself, and the cycle goes on and on. So, like I had said at the beginning of the, the review, I was worried heading into this movie because I wasn't sure if the memories, as vague as they were, of watching it the first time, around the time when it came out, so 97, 98, 99, whether it would hold up or if my older self would just see flaws. I did not see flaws. I mean, sorry, yes, I did see flaws, but it didn't stop me from disliking this movie. I thought that there was more good than bad. I thought that it was a fun and well-done, quick little movie that felt, like I said, kind of like an X-Files episode, but with like a darker bent. So what is there for me to dislike about it? I, so, I mean, if you have not seen it, I strongly recommend it. I mean, don't 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 go in thinking that it's the greatest film ever made because it's not, but it's competent, it's well shot. You know, Miguel Ferrar is completely engaging as a lead. Dees is so horrible. He knows how horrible Dees is. He's able to capture that. And, you know, there, there are definitely visual touches in there that I think show a stylish eye in the of the of the director which i think really helps this movie so what i'm going to do now i'm going to go head to head book versus movie what works what does not the first i want to talk about is jimmy whether jimmy works as a character or if it should have been left alone the way that it was in the novella i'm sorry in the short story so jimmy is not in the short story but here's the deal her being there allows for us to get out of Dee's mind. So there's no need for her to exist in the short story. She is needed in the movie. I'm glad that they include her. I don't think they do as much with her. However, she is there to function as the thematic button at the end of the movie. Because Dee's earlier was shown taking pictures and just... Being a vulture, hovering around, and gaining financially and professionally from the death of his colleague Dottie. So we see that earlier in the movie, and that, of course, is turned on its head at the end of the movie when Jimmy does the same for Dee's. So I, I think that that's a great touch. So I'm going to go with J Jimmy's inclusion in the movie I like better. I don't think that they do as much with her as they could. I think she could have been a character that was beefed up a little bit more, but for how she functions at the end of the movie, I I, I do enjoy. Uh, the second thing I want to talk about is the end. In the, in the short story, he is arrested by the police. And what I like about the ending of the short story is that, you know, I mean, he could very easily get off. Like, yes, he could be framed for the crimes, but he could also get off. And then, can, you know, theoretically, we could have another short story involving Richard Dees down the line where he investigates another supernatural occurrence for uh, an inside view publication. Which, in my review of Nightmares and Dreamscapes, when I reviewed the Night Flyer, I did mention that, how I would like to see a series of novels starring... Um, 
uh, Richard Dees as our anti-hero to, to root for. However, the way that the end comes about here from the, the Night Flyer forcing Dees to drink his blood and then the great black and white scene with the fog and the bodies and just the, the brutality of what occurs. I, and then, you know, the fact that the, the cycle of exploitation continues with Jimmy coming on top. I really like that ending. So I'm going to go with the ending on that one, which leads us really the only one to talk about that's left is Miguel Ferrar. We have Richard Dees from the from the short stories, and we have Miguel Ferrar as Richard Dees. And I I just think that Miguel Ferrar was perfect for this role. I think that he gets Dees. I think that he actually brings a little bit something extra to Dees. I, I, I think that it's awesome. And I wish that we could see another another story with him as Richard Dees. Uh, it would have to be a flashback <laughs> to an earlier case, uh, but it's something that I very much would like. So, guys... In the three things that in which I would compare the <clears throat> the short story to the I'm sorry no there's one thing how about this the Night Flyers kind of stalking uh, Richard D's that's not included in the the short story and it adds for a cat and mouse but I just think ultimately the Night Flyer could kill him but chooses not to <clears throat> and then ultimately does decide to frame him I I don't know I just I don't I, I see the Night Flyer's motivation. Um, here and I, I don't understand why he would kind of play with D's. I get it from from a narrative standpoint. You want to add these shocks. You want to add this tension. You want to add this mystery. But it just doesn't line up with the character's motivation. So I'm going to go with the short story on this one. But other than that, we have three cases um, in which I I'm enjoying. I enjoy the 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 movie more than the uh, more than the short story. Even though I do love the short story, but I, in this case, I'm going to go in the winner here with the book. I think I'm sorry with the movie. I think that the movie is a very very effective movie for what it's doing. And even though there's not a budget, everyone involved elevates it and does what they can with the the limited budget. So if you haven't seen it, I love it, guys. Go out and and watch it right now. Because it's it really is great. So, with that said, let's look ahead to next week, where I will be reviewing, for me, a novel that is very very special. It's a novel that, for me, was the first new Stephen King publication to come out after I had become a Stephen King fan. So it will always hold something in my heart, and it's also a novel that is often derided by. A lot of Stephen King fans out there, Stephen King himself has stated that in it he was trying too hard. That's something that I, I kind of disagree with. I think that it's an incredible novel that I could not wait to go back to and reread. And it's one that I cannot wait to sit down whose uh, review I can't wait to record. Because this is a important novel, I think, in Stephen King's collection because it is full of so much imagination and as a dark tower junkie this is an incredibly important dark tower novel even though it does not include the characters from the dark tower so there's a lot going on in next week's review in which i review insomnia so make sure that you stick around for that guys and if you have not done so already feel free to head out to itunes to subscribe uh, to the Stephen King cast on iTunes and write a review because when you do that, you really help me out by getting the Stephen King cast out there. There's been a lot of reviews coming in, very, very kind um, 
words are being said, so thank you so much. And like I said, stick around next week as I review Insomnia, and I will see you here. Same King time, same King channel, Stephen King cast. Now, you know what? No, okay, just stop, stop it. Now, I I probably should change that, shouldn't I? I've been thinking about this more and more. So, same King time, same King channel, Stephen King cast. I... I <sighs> I don't want I don't want that to be my my end anymore. I mean it doesn't really make sense. I mean it's not I'm not doing a, a Batman podcast here. Um, so I so how about this? Okay. So I'll see you here I'll see all of you here next week because M O O N spells Stephen King cast. I could do that. Um, or ah okay. All right everybody. Long days and pleasant nights. I'll see y'all here next week because M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast. So, okay, that's, that's what I'll do. That will be my new sign-off every week, guys. So let's practice it again one more time. I'll take it from the top. All right, everyone, if you haven't done so already, please feel free to go out to iTunes, subscribe, write a review. It'd be great if you were able to do that. And make sure you stick around next week as I review Insomnia. So everyone, long days and pleasant nights because M-O-O-N spells Stephen King cast.